Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the show that gives you too much information about which of the forgotten X-Men Kevin Feige considers worth saving and which he's just gonna let fade from existence. I'm Eric Voss. Here with me is Inside Marvel co-host, first time on Big Question, Jessica Clement. Hi, very nervous, but I think we'll answer today's question of what Kevin Feige finds. It's like, what stays fresh in people's mind by testing it with me today? Because these movies are old. <laughs> they are very old. This is a, uh, a stroll down memory lane set to either Time in a Bottle or the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams. Because Evan Peters, Quicksilver, folks, he just showed up in WandaVision. He's in the mm -hmm. MCU now. Yes, the he hell is. is going on? Uh, it seems like this is the first ever crossover in the MCU by a Fox X-Men character, but maybe you're watching this after a future WandaVision episode has come out and clarified what this cameo means. Maybe it's something else. Maybe other X-Men characters have cameoed, but no matter what, this question remains. Which of the Fox X-Men movies are essential? What movies do we need to have watched and what characters and plot details could Feige be bringing into the MCU? Very important questions yes. and also great summarizing for anyone that has not watched a single X-Men movie. We're gonna tell you the ones that are important to watch. I mean, the, the short answer is all of them are important to watch, but we know not all of you are obsessive rewatchers. We're gonna give you kind of a shorthand of how to how to think about this franchise, sure. because it appears certain details are gonna be important. There are 13 of these movies, and not all of them are essential. Not all of them are gonna get the vaccination. Some are gonna have to wait in line before we consider them to be important. Uh, these movies span from the first X-Men that came out in 2000 to the New Mutants that came out last year. They're all kind of connected in some way, and now this franchise, in a way, lives on in WandaVision uh, and Evan Peters. Marvel head Kevin Feige actually was an associate producer on that first X-Men film. That's how he got started in the superhero genre. So this man has been intimately involved with that franchise. He's a lot of thoughts on what he wants to do with all these little toys. All right, so we're going to talk about everything you need to know from these movies. And based on WandaVision, which X-Men Feige might save and which he might, you know, just reboot. And a spoiler warning for all of these movies, we're not going to go through what happens at the end of each plot they're still worth watching but we're going to give you a basic overview and which characters appear in it oh and oh by the way before we begin i am wearing a shirt that you can get at new rockstar's official merch store newrockstarsmerch.com there's a couple different shirts that we have they're all really great designs they fit really well and it's a way you can support this channel directly in addition to shirts we got like hoodies jackets underwear socks this hat that i like wear all the time so if you want to pull a buckier cap and have a simple costume that no one will recognize you and just put on a ball cap get one of these it's great all right jessica let's go back to the beginning the X-Men, the first X-Men in the year mm -hmm. 2000. Oh you remember this plot, don't ya? Uh, Wolverine joins Professor X's X-Men to stop Magneto's Brotherhood of Mutants from converting world leaders into mutants. Which, mm -hmm. Jessica, can we, can we say, this is not that horrible of a plot by Magneto. He's just trying to teach the world empathy. Also, this is the first one. So it's like, they're gonna they're gonna come in a little heavy, but they're also gonna come in with like, we could make a million spinoffs. So mm -hmm. I think it is, they, as a writer's standpoint, they came in with a, enough. And then also, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to every other superhero movie, like the stakes of this, it's like, oh, so the UN's just gonna get turned into mutants. I guess the fear is that they would have ended up like Senator Kelly and turned into a jellyfish and just like explode into water. You 
a puddle. So maybe they die. I think that was the real stakes of it. But, you know, mm -hmm. from the outset, you could argue that's what makes Magneto such a great character is he kind of has this noble cause of uh, you can understand where he's coming from. He was a kid who survived Auschwitz. So, like, you kind of see his side of it. We did get that intro, obviously, of him in Auschwitz and, like, him, like, kind of doing the metal. And it was very sad, but I still was like, I don't really like this man. But I see his history and it is bad. It wasn't until, which we'll get into later, but first class where I was like, oh, I see where he's coming from. This, I was still like, oh, he's obviously the villain. But like in first class, yeah. I was like, whose side would I be on? The timeline of this movie, uh, it was said not too distant future. It was later defined to be around 2003. It was set right before the second movie. What do you remember of this movie? What do you think fans should take away from this movie, Jessica? Okay, from a fan that hasn't seen this movie in a long time. <laughs> As a fan that hasn't seen this movie in a long time. Anna Paquin was obviously Rogue was very important, but she doesn't really stay. But I think Rogue was very important in this. Wolverine's obviously very important. Magneto is super important. I really held on to the point of Colossus showing up, but I think that's because I like Colossus in the comic books that I was like, oh, we're gonna see more of this person. So I think those, yeah. even if they were like such small parts, they were still very important to be like, they're gonna show up. Just you wait. Obviously, James Marsden as Cyclops was super important and Jean Grey because that relationship, we were like, oh, where did this start? And we had a bunch of questions about Jean Grey that we get into later on. Yeah. So I think the mutants really held on to me. A lot of great action in this one. You could say this is one of the earliest like modern superhero mm. movies that felt pretty cool. I mean, their costumes were goofy. They were wearing black tight leather that they couldn't move around in. Didn't make sense. Wasn't also, practical. that scene where Rogue basically killed... <laughs> Wolverine in her sleep uh -huh. or in his sleep. That was very, I loved it. I was here for, how many times yeah. has Wolverine died? Like, let's talk about that. Oh, um, so many times. <laughs> so many times. It was just so funny because he dies so many times in this franchise. And at that moment, when we first saw this movie, we were like, oh, shoot, like he can die. And then later on, you're yeah. like, okay, he can't really die. <laughs> and uh, this movie introduced something that if you're rewatching the X-Men movies, you, you see all over the place, the mystique yellow eyes trope. A character who oh, you think is yeah. one character, they flash their eyes. And, and this movie, it was uh, Senator Kelly at the end of the movie. But then they start doing it crazily throughout the series. Everyone like at some that? point ends up being mystique. How else are you going to tell they're a person or mystique? You got you to gotta put some justification. You got to tell them. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta tell, tell. You can't just do it. At the end of the day, this movie of the X-Men franchise, yes, essential. This is essential. If you watch any of them, you do have to watch this one. You can check it out. It's wonderful. Uh, and I would say the same for X2, X-Men United. So the plot of this one, after a failed White House assassination attempt, Colonel Stryker, played by the amazing Brian Cox, detains Professor X and a couple of other students from the X-Mansion. Uh, his plan? To use Cerebro through uh, mind control via his son Jason Stryker inside Charles Xavier's brain to target all mutants and to kill them. So the X-Men have to team up with Maggie Magneto escape from prison on this rescue mission at the Weapon X base at Alkali Lake. Uh, so this is all set in 2003, shortly after the first X-Men movie. And yeah, this is, for me, one of my favorite X-Men movies. I just think that opening sequence is so great in the White House. It catches you right away. The pacing's great, the humor's great. Um, and I just love it. Very, very essential one. And this one brings in another goofy trope from the X-Men franchise that I love, where Professor X rolls in and freezes the room. They do this constantly. Professor X it's will just good. randomly show up in a movie and everyone's just like, oh, right, this is a thing that happens. I love it. 
Is it weird? I didn't think it was weird that he can do that. I don't think it's weird, but it, they just keep doing it. It comes back in a lot of yeah, them. He's cool as hell. The third movie on our watch list is X-Men The Last Stand. It came out in 2006. So the plot of this one. Sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like an adaptation of the Dark Phoenix saga. Jean Grey returns back from the dead, possessed by the Phoenix entity. But meanwhile, they didn't really go full into the Dark Phoenix saga because really they started mm -hmm. to adapt Joss Whedon's cure storyline from the X-Men comics. So a war is breaking out over this mutant cure uh, vaccine uh, between the X-Men and the Brotherhood. And uh, um, Magneto's forces have grown to like dozens, hundreds of mutants. Uh, and... It's an insane movie. Uh, it's the main cast returning, but there's like mm -hmm. a ton of uh, mutants. There's in the too many mutants in this. In this, too movie. many. Mutants. There's way too many for you to be like. Let's clock every single person. Yeah, I would say this one is not essential. Oh, it's so fun though. It's the. It's the. It is we fun. See the if you want to watch it, go for it. It's not Skip. essential. You okay, don't need to see it. There's very fun parts. There's very fun parts. And I would Absolutely. jump to the Juggernaut ones. The yes. introduction of the Juggernaut is one of my favorite parts. Of just Juggernaut <laughs> chasing Shadowcat through yes, that facility yes, is yes. awesome. Yes. Very cool. You, yes. Please yeah. watch it. Also, uh, Kelsey Grammer as the Beast is my favorite thing in the world. Of yeah. I, It's okay. I get that it's not important. But the reason I say this is not essential <sighs> is because the entire events of this movie kind of get erased and retconned by later movies. Um, and that includes the deaths of a lot of characters. I won't say everyone who dies, but uh, Charles appears to die early on in this movie. But at the very end, he kind of reawakens in uh, Moira McTaggart's coma patient. It's not really explained what's yeah. going on there. I'm spoiling it for you because I don't think this movie is essential to watch. I'm sorry. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Soiled it. Soiled it. Uh, because I think it's still cool. fun. <laughs> Look, I still think it's fun. Also, I guess you could still use it if you saw Dark Phoenix. It might be good. I guess chronologically, it doesn't add up. But like watching this and then seeing Dark Phoenix, I was like, oh, I know what's happening in Dark Phoenix because I know what happened in X-Men Last Stand. But, or you could just read Chris Claremont's Dark Phoenix saga I in the comics in the 80s. I guess you be way better off. You can, but it is fun. <laughs> I will, okay, go listen to Voss, but I think it's it's very fun. I'm very, I'm here for it. Hey, look, every movie that we mention, at the end of the day, probably worth checking out if you have the time. We're just giving you the list of the essential. The shade. Some movies have to not be essential, Jeff. Jessica for others to be essential. But let's move right along to the next movie on our list, X-Men Origins mm -hmm. Wolverine. came out in 2009. So this is a Wolverine origin story. It follows James Howlett throughout American history. He fought in pretty much every American war uh, alongside his buddy, Sabretooth, played by Liev Schreiber. They join Weapon X. He They end up turning on each other. It ends with him fighting Deadpool, uh, but really uh, a mix of a bunch of other members of Weapon X who had died, a pool of them, a dead pool oh, of them. Oh, we get it. It's not the right version of the character. His mouth gets uh, smushed over, uh, so he can't talk. Uh, they have Merc with the mouth. They took his mouth away. It makes no sense, uh, which you've, if you've watched the Deadpool movies, you know mm. why this is so weird. This ends with a horribly DH Patrick Stewart 
walking up as Professor X. Oh, God, it was really stupid. It, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, so the timeline of this movie starts in 1845, and then it jumps ahead through different wars. So we see the 1860s and 1940s, uh, and then 1973 in Vietnam. That's when uh, uh, Stryker finds them. And then uh, years later, 1979, is when the rest of the movie takes place. So it's mm -hmm. supposed to be like in the 70s general era. This, again, very much so, I would say, is not essential to watch. And I'll again, it's you. just because these events were completely erased from the timeline so that even the franchise wants you to forget about them. Is it worth watching for Will I Am? Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, it's like the introduction to the blob, which is very fun. For people that read the comics, it's really fun to just see these like, oh, I know who this is right off the bat. Did you just call me blob? I understood that reference. But definitely wasn't yeah, Skip necessary. on past that one. <laughs> um, so at this point in the late 2000s, the X-Men franchise was in a weird place. Hi. Help! What they did is they brought in Matthew Vaughn to reboot it, do a soft reboot though, X-Men First Class. Charles, uh, Xavier, Eric Lyncher meet in the 60s and they assemble a team to fight Sebastian Shaw's Hellfire Club and it ties in with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the cast of this one, uh, now Charles Xavier is played by James McAvoy, Magneto is played by Michael Fassbender, Mystique is played by Jennifer Lawrence, though there is a moment where she shapeshifts into an older woman to try to uh, entice uh, Eric Lyncher and that older woman is Rebecca Romaine. Perfection. Maura McTaggart is played by Rose Byrne, Hank McCoy is now played by Nicholas Holt, Sebastian Shaw, the great Kevin Bacon, Emma Frost in this movie is played by the not-so-great January Jones, Havoc is played by Lucas Till, and there's a bunch of uh, younger mutants who are brought in. They got, like, Banshee, they got uh, Riptide, Angel, Darwin, who's one of the best mutants. Killed a m Oh, I mean... <laughs> no spoilies! Wait, can we spoil it? Uh, yeah, we won't say everything immediately 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 had maybe 30 seconds in the movie and they straight up were like you want to turn into a half rock half volcano human man and just collapse what you say now one of the best parts of this movie uh and we're a uh, spoiler warning for again for this movie wolverine cameos in it as one of the like he the says, best go parts yourself go yourself <laughs> <laughs> And they just walk away they go okay cool <laughs> so absolutely this one is essential it's one of the mm -hmm. best of this franchise it's so good it's so uh, because it starts good. to explore this question of how would the x-men have intersected with u.s history and it is kind of like what we grew up watching the x-men animated series it feels fresh feels exciting it's funny it has a good uh, self-awareness to it i love so much about this movie i can't recommend it enough is my favorite yeah. there's so much going on that definitely i feel like they're gonna make so many callbacks to so many oh like I going so. in the future not already that they've done but i feel like there's gonna be like oh remember this and we have to talk about it Yourself. Now, the next X-Men movie to come out was called The Wolverine. That came out in 2013. This was James Mangold's uh, movie that was supposed to follow X-Men Origins of Wolverine. Uh, but this was just a solo mission that was set in Japan. Uh, so really, the plot of this one is it opens with Wolverine saving a, a Japanese man from an atomic bomb exploding yeah. during World War II. And years later, he gets a chance to kind of trade in his immortality 
uh, but it leads to this pretty cool plot uh, where it's all set in Japan and he fights against the Yakuza. He ends up having to fight the uh, adamantium silver samurai. There's a fun twist with that. Uh, I'd recommend watching this one. Now, this movie <laughs> seemed like it was completely unrelated to the Fox X-Men uh, canonical timeline, but at the very end, in the post credit scene, wouldn't you know it, Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier, and Ian McKellen, uh, uh, Magneto, showing up at an airport. There is a TV screen that uh, says Trask Industries is working on some Sentinel technology that was all meant to set up Days of Future Past. So they, they forced this whole stupid scene in there. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. But the movie's pretty good. I would just say... Uh, is it essential? Kinda. I would say watch it. It's good. It's just for timeline purposes and canon purposes, it's not that important to watch. This is the only one I think I feel strong. Like, mm, no. But I also think when I watched it, I took it out of the equation. I was like, oh, it's just like a really cool movie. Now, the next title on our list, X-Men Days of Future Past 2014. So the plot of this one, to prevent a post-apocalyptic future that uh, features all the original X-Men cast coming back, Wolverine goes back in time to the 70s to stop Mystique from killing Trask. That would, you know, because if he dies, then all of his sentinel research is going to lead to this, like, uh, uh, to Mystique being caught. And they take Mystique's DNA and they turn the sentinels into replicating things that can kill any mutant whenever. Uh, so to prevent that, they have to they have to turn her back to the good side. And when Wolverine goes back in time, they use uh, Kitty Pride to blast his consciousness back in time to his younger body. It's a different kind of time travel. Uh, and he gets to hang out with all the first class era characters. So they kind of like restore all the continuity problems in the franchise in this really cool way. Mm -hmm. So the cast is massive and insane. It's fun. So the timeline, the post-apocalyptic future, I love this, is 2023. <laughs> That's when everything's shit. Two more years. So they go back 50 years earlier mm -hmm. uh, in 1973. And the final scene is set in that restored 2003. So. I love this movie because it's one of the smartest versions of time travel that we've seen in the superhero movie. Uh -huh. I think it's much well structured than even Avengers Endgame because uh, the time travel logic within the movie, for the most part, until the very end, is pretty clean. Uh -huh. And it's fun to see a character go like do a Slaughterhouse-Five version of time travel where it's just your consciousness through your body. Uh, they don't really do that a lot in movies and I love seeing it in this film. This movie, I like that you said yes, is it essential? Did you say yes because of the time travel? I think it is essential because it involves the first class uh, characters. It brings in Evan Peters' Quicksilver, which obviously this guy's important. <laughs> I completely forgot. I was like, oh yeah, I guess. Now don't you forget it. It's one of the, I would say it's of the half of them that are absolutely okay. essential to watch. Also, so. for those that didn't read the comments, which is completely fine. The fact that Magneto and Quicksilver are related and they talk about it in this and they'll probably bring it up eventually again when they mm -hmm. bring up Wanda and WandaVision. But I get the take, Jessica, that you weren't a huge fan of this movie. I no, no, I liked it. I just don't oh, no? think okay. it was important. <laughs> All right. Stop. No, I told you I like the young X-Men. It's like the baby Looney Tunes for me. I get really into it. I love anytime you put things as young. Like when you're like, oh, we're going to do Golden Girls, but they're like 24. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. You need to hashtag release the Muppet Babies doc. I couldn't. Yeah. They're all great. It's great. And I think you could watch this. If you don't watch this one, you have to watch uh, The Last Stand and X-Men Origins. So if you watch this one, you <laughs> never have to think about The Last Stand or X-Men Origins. You You're don't. Good. So the next X-Men title is Deadpool. 
I'm touching myself tonight. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Kind of adjacent to X-Men, but it is, he is a mutant. It is part of the X-Men franchise. This is where Ryan Reynolds is like, no, we're gonna do a proper Deadpool movie. <laughs> you, Slater. X-Men Origins. Okay. So in this story, we meet mercenary Wade Wilson, the Merc with the Mouth. Uh, he tries to cure his cancer by letting Weapon X turn him into a regenerative mutant, now going under the name Deadpool. And he ends up having to save his fiance Vanessa from Ajax. It's kind of a lovely rom-com. This movie is so great. I love it. It's super Deadpool. funny. It's super meta. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really fun movie. And uh, I think you gotta see all the Deadpool movies because Deadpool's coming into the MCU. So yes, essential. Very essential. And also very funny. Oh my God, just so funny. And also the fact that he just keeps reiterating how he doesn't want to be a part of the X-Men and they're just like, come on, be a part of us. No. Not joining your weird Heaven's Gate cult. So the next X-Men movie to come out came in, uh, mm. came out a couple months after Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse. They decided to move each of these, uh, this first class reboot, uh, advance each one up the decades. So the first one was in the 60s, uh, Days of Future Past was in the 70s, and now this one's in 1983. But it's all about Apocalypse. He's the ancient mutant. He was in the post credit scene of Days of Future Past. He reawakens now, and he assembles his four horsemen of the Apocalypse to help him destroy and remake the world. And they tie in with the Cold War in the 80s to try to unleash a global nuclear war. It doesn't go that way, and they use like Magneto. They use the combined powers of these four henchmen to try to like terraform the Earth and obliterate all uh, civilization. This one is mostly memorable for another great Quicksilver sequence. This time he saves all the kids from uh, the X-Mansion set to the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams. But there's also a cameo by Wolverine. Gene and Scott go to the Weapon X facility and uh, he just happens to be there because I think Days of Future Past ended with him in the 70s in striker's clutches but it was another like uh, flash of yellow eyes so it was mystique but that was never explained it just he's just back with that weapon x at that point got it what are your thoughts on this movie jessica do I you think, think it's essential the only part i would think is essential is isn't this where professor x basically destroys apocalypse and the astral plane yeah there is an astral plane battle that's right and that's how he loses his hair why so the astral plane is going to be important going on because not only can people that can read minds go through it, but ma I said magicians, but David Copperfield also can go through there. You're on the moon. No, but magic can go on there. I don't think it's essentially the astral plane where Scarlet Witch like lands in some of the comics. It's a different plane, but she can still go well, yeah, on to it. Yeah, and Doctor Strange goes to the and astral And Doctor Strange plane. goes to the So yeah. I think it's essential, not essential for like, you, I don't think you need to watch the entire movie to be like the astral plane, but I think like that part itself, um, is very important to take away because you could be like, if they ever reference it again and you're like, when did they ever reference that? It was an X-Men apocalypse. Yeah, I would say at the end of the day, though, this movie is not essential to watch. If you were to skip this one, you'd be okay. But that scene is very fun. Okay. That scene is you good. You will be okay. Yeah. You will be okay, but you're yeah. missing out on some cinematic art. <laughs> now, the next movie in the X-Men franchise to come out was Logan. Mm. This was considered to be the third Wolverine solo film. This was directed by James Mangold once again. And to me, this is my favorite X-Men movie. Uh, this is basically oh. just a simple Western. It's uh, loosely adapted okay. from the Old Man Logan comics, but in this one, old, retired, beaten down Logan is taking care of an elderly Charles Xavier who is not stable, and he meets a young runaway, X-23, uh, Laura, and he has to drive her to the Canadian border to uh, get her away from people who want to do her ill will. They're kind of doing some Weapon X stuff. The timeline of this is fascinating. So this is set in the year 2029. It's in the revised timeline from the present day at the end of Days of Future Past. 
but it's mm. still implied that things still crumble into post-apocalyptic status, no matter what you do. But there's like a fascinating hinted backstory that around 2014 in that timeline, mutants started to die off mysteriously. They started to go extinct. It was revealed that there's some kind of toxin in the food and water supply, but there was a deadly psionic seizure by Charles Xavier that killed off most of the X-Men in this movie. It's so dark. But it's so beautiful. It's so, It was one of my favorite movies that year. I think it should have won an Oscar. It was so incredible. I did not know this movie touched you so much. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love it's, uh, it's the only one I yeah. cried in. I cried yeah, at the end because I was like... Such a good ending. So, Essential? Yeah, I actually think it is. Um, not just for how great of a movie it is um, and how great all the performances are, but there are some important tie-ins with the X-Men franchise going forward, like the character X-23 and like what they were doing with X-23. That's and we'll, we'll talk about that at the end when we recap all the characters we think are coming back. But you like this one, Jessica? You think it was worth Yeah, you, I like Logan. I, it, it, <laughs> I like Logan. I like Logan. I'll say that. I still want to see an, I want to see a true old man Logan movie in the MCU. Oh, that'd be that cool. That comic because that comic is like one of the most f-ed up comics. You in know, all Marvel. Hugh Jackman is so tired. He's so yeah. tired. He wants to he sing and dance tired. in movies instead now. Yeah. But they did like, and all yeah. these random spliced mutant children are just now gone. They're like, right. we haven't seen them. So it's like they could be showing up again. And they, or even if they don't, they have that to hold on to in the back of their pocket. They're like, oh, we can go yeah. back to X23 if we want. She could be mm-hmm. like a grown mm-hmm. woman by now. Or, or a teenager, a young woman. Or a teenager, yeah. 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 She could be a young woman, a young grown woman. I think it's also just, it's like the grittiest you're going to get in that franchise. Like, yeah. with like real, like, so you should watch it for that perspective because this feels a lot different than any of the other ones. Then that I think that's how I took it. I kind of didn't put it in the bunch because I was like, it hit a little too hard. Well, a movie that parodied Logan was the next one on our list, Deadpool 2. This came out in 2018. <laughs> uh, the plot of this one is both very simple and very complicated. Essentially, Deadpool has to protect what? an orphan uh, played by Julian Dennison, Fire Fist, the mutant uh, who was like in this creepy culty school. Uh, but now he is the target of a uh, time-traveling assassin, Cable, played by Thanos, <laughs> Josh Brolin. Uh, and we meet a bunch of new characters it's pretty amazing. It has one of the best endings. And it's supposed to be adapted from like the Deadpool and Cable comics. It's one of the best buddy comedy comics you can read. Firefist, uh, well, he's named Firefist. That's not his real name. Uh, but Julian Denson's character, Domino, Zazie Beats, is in this. She can kind of like use luck. She can play the odds and probability to like know how to get out of tough spots. Pretty cool power. I love it. Yukio, that's Shiori Katsuna. Um, and then the X-Force that Deadpool puts together. So <laughs> we got Bedlam, Terry Crews, Shatterstar, Louis Tan, so Zeitgeist, stupid. Bill Skarsgård, Peter, played by Rob Delaney, and then The Vanisher, played by, spoiler wording here, the best cameo, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. So um, stupid. So dumb. They don't last long in the movie, but it's one of the <laughs> funniest sequences ever. And then, as you mentioned, Juggernaut shows up. He's uh, voiced by Ryan Reynolds. And then there's also a really funny cameo in the X-Mansion where, like, all those uh, X-Men Apocalypse characters show up. Professor X, mm. Beast, Cyclops, Silverstorm, and Nightcrawler. They're all there. So, uh, oh, Evan Peters exists in the same universe as Deadpool. Um, this one, though, is set after the first years of Deadpool. It's it's kind of adjacent with the uh, X-Men timeline. It's just kind of in its own meta world. It's like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Deadpool 2 is so fun. When you said complicated, until you started explaining it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forget there's time travel. Yes. And that's why it could be very important for the MCU is because 
he uses time travel and uh, we know the time variance authority is coming up in Loki. So this could be very important for what we see coming up. Yeah, definitely watch Deadpool 2. Uh, essential. Chick -chick. I feel like if they do bring on Cable's like time traveler thing, they're just gonna like crash it in the next movie just so it's like yeah. stop jumping through time. So our next title, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Uh, this poor movie. Stop, don't feel, don't give I, it pity. <laughs> okay, I won't, I'll feel nothing for it. So this one is set in 1992. It, uh, it's like kind of a redo of the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, Jean Grey gets possessed by the Phoenix Force and she becomes the target of shape-shifting aliens that are not Skrull, they are Dabari. Unfortunately, this movie got delayed and delayed to the point of coming out months after Captain Marvel when scrolls in the Marvel Universe existed. So they just felt like a copy of them. Ah, it's a weird movie. Um, really, uh -huh. it's just the returning X-Men cast. Um, there's a couple other smaller uh, mutants that show up in it. You don't need to know any of their names. I'm sorry. It's what I think drives me nuts about this movie, among many things, is it's set in 1992, 30 years after X-Men First Class, yet none of the characters from that movie age. Nicholas Holt still looks just as young. Uh, oh, Mystique yeah. looks just as young. Now you can say Mystique's a shapeshifter, whatever, but yeah, Nicholas Holt, Beast doesn't have like a regenerative age. You know, that doesn't make any sense that these they people don't age They couldn't get Grammar. It's bizarre. I guess that um, doesn't answer, but yeah. But Mystique doesn't, she doesn't really age. She stays young forever. I think a lot of us just felt like why does the movie need to exist? And in fairness, I think it was like the whole studio just kind of bailed on it because at that point, Fox has, had been bought out by Disney. And I think the whole studio was like, well, Disney's just going to reboot all these characters anyway. Let's not put in any effort into promoting this movie or, or doing reshoots or making it any good. So I would say only because the studio seemed to feel this way, it is not essential to watch. You can totally skip Dark Phoenix. The last title we'll talk about, The New Mutants. It, come out, it came out this year. So in this movie, it's basically like young mutants are in this psychiatric facility and they're battling their demons. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of cool. The villain is kind of a manifestation of Mirage's power, the demon bear. She kind of uh, forces everybody to confront their inner demons in a way. And in her case, it's the demon bear. But then Magic's little sidekick, Lockheed, uh, this little dragon thing floats around beside her. It's pretty cool. It's a cool character. So what's interesting about the timeline of this movie, it is set in the X-Men franchise um, because this facility that they're in, spoiler warning, is being run by the Essex Corporation, the, the suitcase people from the end of the post credit scene of X-Men Apocalypse. So uh, it is part of that operation, but it would be decades later because uh, Danny is told that there is a next step that would lead to these young mutants being uh, turned into weapons. And she sees a vision of what that would be. And it's the facility shown in Logan, a movie set in 2029. So New Mutants must be set shortly before Logan is maybe 2028 or 2029. So over 40 years after that scene in X-Men Apocalypse. Is the movie necessary then? No, I don't think so. Evan Peters is not in it. I don't know if any of these characters will get salvaged for the MCU. So let's wrap up are. here by talking about which of these characters, Jessica, we think will have uh, second lives. These actors could come back in the MCU. So right now it's it looks like Quicksilver Evan Peters in some yeah. form is in the MCU. Already. We've gotten confirmation that Deadpool Ryan Reynolds will be in the MCU as well. They're working on that script as we speak. But let's ask ourselves, do we think 
either of the Charles Xavier's, Patrick Stewart or James McAvoy. Jessica, do you think they could show up in the MCU? I think the James McAvoy will, especially if we're doing time travel. Both of the James McAvoy movies were, they did well. So I think MCU would definitely be like, let's go back into those. Cause those were really, those people are big fans of those. But Patrick Stewart, oh, well, I guess they could, but like he's dead. Uh, and not to right. be like, people don't die, but it's like, I also think Patrick Stewart's like, mm, if I can pass, let's just try to pass him on me. <laughs> well, if they're pulling them from the multiverse, time isn't really an issue, you know? They could just plop in Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen from that, you know, franchise and not really true. fully explain how or old they are. Or give us like a clip. What's hard is that bringing in Evan Peters suggests that it's going to be the younger cast, right? So maybe James McAvoy or, or Michael Fassbender, one of those folks. Maybe even Nicholas Holt or, or Jennifer Lawrence. I doubt it. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is going to come. No, no one's going to. Mystique is not going to make an appearance. Obviously, the one people want is Hugh Jackman Wolverine. But what do you think, Jessica? I think that guy's done. I think he's done. I think he's done. Dude, you guys, he truly is so tired. Go f yourself. Not in the way of like to be rude to him, but he truly is like, I've, I've spent my years as Wolverine. Like oh, almost yeah. two decades from 2000 to 2018. Like, yeah. and then that cameo he made in Deadpool, he's like, I still gotta show up. He's been such a trooper. He keeps showing back up. Well, he didn't, they used archive footage in Deadpool too. He didn't have to show oh, up. Okay, yeah, that's true, that's true. He was, <laughs> he but didn't he didn't show up for X-Men Apocalypse. He got in shape. He had to go shirtless yeah. and run around in the snow for that scene. Yeah, he's a super nice guy, but I don't think he's gonna show up. I don't think he's gonna show up. If he did, you guys can have my wallet. I think X-23 Daphne Keen, she might show up. I, I agree. Think the way they ended things in Logan, um, she was pretty cool in that movie. I think the other ones too. There was obviously a leader of that group. And I think he's gonna show up oh, again too with kid? her. Okay. He had too many lines to not be a big part. You just gotta, we gotta ask ourselves, um, who is adjacent to the characters they're definitely bringing back? So if they're definitely bringing back Deadpool, I think we have a good chance of seeing the Deadpool version of Colossus mm. showing up because he was great. Oh, he's going, he's going too. And it's also possible to see Cable. Uh, Josh Brolin Cable could totally show up and it yeah. would be insane, but I think it's possible. And uh, everyone else from his world, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Fire Fist, all those kids, they might show up. So we could technically see Colossus still doing the X-Men thing. Like he is basically the only, there, there's not many X-Men left. So he could definitely be bringing back other people to that school after Deadpool 2, especially. So I yeah. think we're going to see Colossus as like the Professor X and there's just a bunch of new mutants, which could be X-23. It could be like mutants coming back to like just be better with their powers. Yeah, Storm, uh, Alexander Ship. I just don't. Back. I think Storm is going to show up in the MCU. I don't know if it's going to be Alexander Ship Storm. I don't know if it's going to be Ty Sheridan Cyclops or Cody Smith McPhee's Night. Not to say they were bad, I just don't think fans had the attachment to those characters that, uh, and I think they can get different names to do different takes on mm -hmm. those characters in the MCU. I think in the MCU later on, they're gonna be like, just like a photo on the wall of respect at like, at where the X-Men are. I think it's gonna yeah. be like, oh, remember this storm? Remember this guy? Remember this people? Like, that's the homage we're gonna get. The only rule Kevin Feige's gonna apply is in the case of Deadpool, no one else can play Deadpool than Ryan Reynolds right now. You know, um, yeah. people so, would turn on it, you know? So, but with uh, Evan Peters' Quicksilver, obviously people have attachments to Aaron Taylor Johnson, but uh, they're doing something clever and meta and goofy on WandaVision by having Evan Peters play the role. So I, I think they're not, they are not obligated to bring back all these Fox actors to play these parts. I think they're gonna pick and choose and they're gonna use, it sounds like some kind of multiverse explanation to justify why they're bringing back some and not others. All right, we're gonna move on to some questions that Jessica 
Jessica's gonna answer, but first we wanna thank some friends who helped us make this episode. Starting with our friends at Amazon Pharmacy Pill Pack. So take a break from streaming something on Prime Video or buying a new gadget and check out the pharmacy section of Amazon. Amazon Pharmacy is a super easy way to save time and money and not have to wait in line at the actual physical pharmacy. Amazon Pharmacy coordinates with your doctor to receive your prescriptions and then they deliver those medications right to your door. They work with most insurance plans. I'm already buying stuff on Amazon because of convenience and easy delivery. It just makes sense to do the same with prescriptions, which I don't want to worry about running out of. Let's be honest, pharmacy errands usually suck and right now we should probably be doing everything we can to avoid them. Take it off your to-do list with Amazon Pharmacy. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash big question. That's Amazon.com slash big question. Amazon.com slash big question. You know, we also want to thank our friends at Raycon for sponsoring this video. So now more than ever, we are staring at screens. Unplugging yourself can be tough. One of my favorite ways to unplug is by just putting in some wireless Raycon earbuds and listening to something great. Whether you're catching up on your favorite news podcast, binging an audiobook, powering through some workout playlist, a pair of Raycons in your ears can make all the difference. Taking my new puppy Darla on walks is a nice time for me to decompress with the music, which sounds great to my Raycons. Getting away here. Raycons come in a range, uh, a range of stylish colors and have a comfortable in-ear fit. They're water and sweat resistant with Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. Their six hours of battery life means I can walk my dog to the next county if I need to. Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone with wireless earbuds starting at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners and here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash big question. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash big question. Buyraycon.com slash big question. All right. We, now we move on to some bite-sized questions that Jessica is going to answer for us. First, our uh, Discord supporter, Flan Travolta. Uh, Flan Travolta. Obviously, Flan Travolta. I'm an idiot. Uh, they ask, oh. how exactly did Jimmy Woo and Monica Rambeau know so many intimate details about the battle in Endgame in WandaVision Episode 5. It's not like there were news cameras recording, and it's just weird to imagine Thor or any of the others sitting down with the government to tell them all the details. What do you say to this, Jessica? I get where you're coming from. Yeah, Thor might not be sitting down with any of the government officials, but I mean, there's still people like Captain America who really works for the like the government officials at the end of the day. Carol Danvers definitely would have. Bruce Banner would have. Pepper Potts definitely would have sat down with them. So they could have been just talking to them about just what's going on. Also, let's not forget that in Spider-Man Homecoming, his suit had like an in-suit recording device. And so everyone could see what he was doing there. Yeah, I mean, I guess I object to the assumption of the question that like, why would... Like, why would Thor, I don't imagine any of them sitting down to tell the government the story. Yeah. Why wouldn't they want to tell them about what Tony Stark did, about what happened with Carol Danvers and Thanos and Wanda Maximoff? Like, I feel like they would want the world to know that story because it paints the Avengers in a good heroic yeah. light. Like, they wouldn't just be like, fuck it, I'm going to go off <laughs> doing my own thing. Never like, mind, I'm leaving forever. <laughs> 
That's a Thor thing to do. Also, the satellite technology that Sword has that's using Tony yeah, Stark's yeah. equipment and the drones in the sky that are recording all the time. Yeah, Sword loves drones. They love drones. I bet they had drones like, ooh, what are they doing? <laughs> they just flew drones. Well, from WandaVision, we can see all the drones. They're definitely just throwing drones out there. They have yeah, no budget. Yeah. Uh, Pepper's rescue suit has all this same technology inside. There's multiple ways that I'm sure that Sword could figure yeah. out. Any suit on. that Tony Stark designed has like a webcam on it. And if uh, you Which know any weird. one of them wants to share that drive <laughs> with Sword, weird. Sword would have a full <laughs> up close and personal video log of the event. Also, Sword does not give a f- I know I'm not supposed to say that for <laughs> does not care about privacy. Our next question comes from the hero Gotham Deserves on Discord, who asks, if the MCU and the X-Men films exist in the same multiverse, why do they have different time travel rules in Endgame versus Days of Future Past? Well, first off, Jessica, let's remember that, like, it's not confirmed to exist in the same multiverse slash universe yet. You know, we're still kind of waiting to know exactly what Evan Peters' cameo means. We don't need to jump to conclusions yet. To answer your question, sure, Avengers Endgame does use what's called branch timeline, type two, as I have defined it, rules of time travel, where mm-hmm. when you go back to the past, you break off and start a new timeline. Uh, yes. Days of Future Past uses my favorite type of time travel, consciousness displacement, type seven, I believe, uh, time travel that blasts your mind back to your earlier body. But my response, and Jessica, I want to know what you think about this. I would say the MCU already has been pretty uh, self-contradictory about how time travel works. Oh, absolutely. You can, well, if you want to time travel, you can use the time stone to rewind or fast mm-hmm. forward time, or you could use the quantum realm time vortex to travel to any point in the past or future using quantum mechanics. It's multiple types of time travel. One's magic, one's science. They are not the same thing. It's super messy. I would say that there is no one sole type of time travel in the MCU. Multiple types of time travel are possible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that would mean as complicated and insane as this is, that within the MCU, a branch timeline created by the game time heist could feature one character within that timeline who uses consciousness displacement to mind travel back to his younger body earlier in his life it's both can be true uh it's comics everything's crazy yeah that is also true at the end of the day they do whatever they the hell they want in the comic books and that's what we transferred into the mcu and that's what gets us watching it that's what gets my money (laughs) all right we have time for one final box of scraps question Scraps. This comes from our Discord supporter, Eel Guy, who asks, what is a little thing you didn't realize you'd miss during COVID shelter in place? For example, I miss going to a karaoke bar with friends. Never thought I would. Ha 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 ha. So what's sweet. something you uh, never thought you would miss that you do miss, Jessica, from being uh, sheltered in place? <laughs> this is such a sad thing, but like the text of people asking me to hang out, like those texts mm-hmm. of, hey, what are you doing tonight? I have not got one of those in over a year. Just not actually (laughs) hanging out, the text to hang out. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't go because I'm an introvert, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm a recluse. But I definitely miss people being like, hey, do you want to go get food? And then I'd be like, no. No, good. <laughs> for me i mean my go-to answer is like going to live events going to uh the movie theater and stuff oh, like yeah. that but i'll get more specific for you i miss going waiting in line and getting movie theater candy and popcorn and snacks no one likes waiting at line to get food at the no movie i do theater. i do i like getting to the movie theater a little early getting there 10 minutes early waiting in line uh, and specifically, like, getting my nachos or getting whatever it is, my You're popcorn. So because you can make 
movie theater style popcorn at home. You can get the same kind of candy, but it's no, different. It just I, tastes a little different from concession stand. I get getting the food. I order my food to be ready by the time I get to the theater because uh, I have AMC pass. Because I hate the line that you. Oh, okay, first of all, I'm not one of those. I, I, it's less embarrassing for me to order the hot dog, nachos, and a pretzel if I just do it through the app and show up and it's ready. Oh, you know what I miss, Jessica, is like fountain drinks. Uh, because you can get soda from wherever, <laughs> but like fountain drinks has a higher concentration of sugar in it because they expect it to be watered Does down it? by ice. Yeah, so only certain restaurants will actually give that. you a fountain drink. Uh, Chipotle still does, mm. but a lot of other places there they won't give you a fountain drink, and it's just not the same. You would always get that's a fountain drink in the movie theater. What? It's not the same as where'd like, you learn that can. science? I don't think that's real. And it worked at a movie theater for a summer, and that's something they explain. They're like, Did you? it's going to be more sugary, so like always put ice in it so that it balances out and makes it get the right flavor. I've never heard of someone that worked at the movie theater that misses like standing in line for food at the movie. I theater. do. It's part of the experience. <laughs> I love it. Oh, here's another thing I love about going to the movie theater afterwards when you walk through the lobby and the other conversations you hear of like I used to do that for when I would go see movies from new rock stars often I have to go see them by myself because I have to see it at weird times I'd walk through the lobby and just kind of eavesdrop to other people who'd be like talking about it they're like no 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 uh Mysterio could totally still be alive bro he's totally still alive look Peter Parker didn't ask is he dead you know and I'd be like ah that will be the video I make that's what people are like thinking that's what they're asking about I'm that person that when the movie ends I go stupid like i lean over and be like dumb or just like one word like stupid (laughs) i'm not i also hate to be that nerd i hate waiting after the credits for things so i go home and i look up the stingers later oh i can't stand i can't stand waiting that long and i'm what you don't watch the credits of movies you work in the tv and film industry i know i know i'm I'm the worst human being i'm so disrespectful i just don't want to go home (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to go home. I'm a well, now I just want to leave home. Let me get out of here, please. Get me out uh, of here. Get me out of this place. Well, that is it for this episode of The Big Question. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me this episode. You can follow Jessica at Lulu underscore Clemens on Twitter, Lulu Clemens everywhere else. You can follow me at EA Voss, follow New Rockstars. Send us your big questions on Discord by becoming a patron of New Rockstars at patreon.com slash New Rockstars. That's where we get all of our best big questions is from our wonderful Discorders. Uh, you can subscribe to the New Rockstars here on YouTube, hit that notification bell, and another quick shout out to our friends at Stereo, the app that lets users listen in, seek out topics, and join conversations about issues and ideas that interest them, comedy, pop culture, sports, all kinds of topics. And once you download the app, you can create an app avatar and profile and start going live yourself you can submit audio messages voicemails to the hosts of conversations to join the conversation in real time we go live with our interactive new rockstars news show hosted by myself and philip molina on wednesdays at 1 p.m pacific also our uh, live simulcast of inside marvel with jessica and me uh you can we'll answer your questions in real time we have new stereo shows every monday wednesday and friday just go to stereo.com slash new rockstars to get all the details and get notified when we're going live again that's stereo.com slash new rockstars see you next week everybody bye Bye. Bye.